For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. It's an NCAA tournament Thursday on the Pick 6 podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Sam McEwen along with Evan Bland and Tom Chattel on Zoom. Wintry day, NCAA tournament day, one of my favorite days of the year, but we are here to talk about Nebraska spring football for the most part. Hello, hello, hello. Gentlemen, how are you doing? I assume your brackets are ready and they have not yet been wrecked because we are taping at 1130 a.m. I just learned from Tom that he never does a bracket, so... You know, I just feel like we're a little bit closer now today. Uh, my wife won't let me gamble, so <clears throat> you can do it for the your the own your own sense of confidence. I do a final four in my calm every year. That's kind of you know. <laughs> yes, you do. Why go through the motions of of of, of uh, having all those other games uh, wrong? <laughs> I just skip right to the good part. <clears throat> Ever, ever since I picked Iowa State to win it all in the early 2000s, and they lost to Hampton in the first round. I've been gun shy. That's that's, that's so you a, don't that's do a, a bracket either. No, I do, but it's a bag that I've carried with me ever since that time. Okay. That was that was scarring for me as a youngster. I'll, I'll tell Steve Murfeld that uh, he, he really hurt you. <laughs> he did. I and was your, set your to win. Goes out in the first round. That's that's rough. My heartbreaker was I was set to win quite a bit of money, and I mean not a small number. The year that Arizona and Illinois played in the Elite Eight, I don't know if people remember this game, but I picked Arizona to go to the Final Four, and Illinois made that miraculous comeback. People might recall that in, you know, in in Chicago and whatever that arena is called now, and they were down by like eighteen. And if Arizona had won that game, man. But they didn't. 2000, 2005. Yeah, it was an amazing comeback, and it was actually it was it was great. It was a fun game to watch, but it was it was a moment uh, where my my bank account wasn't quite as good, I suppose, as it as it could have been. But we're here to talk football, Nebraska football specifically. I want to remind everybody uh, to subscribe to the Omaha World Herald because man, we got a lot of spring football coverage coming. We'll have all kinds of stuff. Tom Chattel's got a preview coming Sunday, spring football preview. We've got another preview coming, obviously, as part of that package with uh, key questions, uh, position battles, walk-ons to watch. And by the way, there aren't as many walk-ons to watch as there were just three or four years ago. Um, and then we'll have tons and tons and tons of coverage. www.omaha.com backslash subscribe. You get 26 weeks for $1. If you were to subscribe right now, you'd get the first three games of the season. you get PJ, you get Prime, and then you get the home opener. So you get the three games, you get the preseason special, all the good stuff, and it's going to be a lot of fun with Matt Rule, at least at least before the season. I don't know what the season's going to be like, but this is going to be a lot. Um, a lot of recruiting, a lot of other things. We'll talk recruiting next week. Evan and I will talk about that. But today we're just going to talk spring football, what we've learned about this program up till now and where we're going to go. And so uh, let's, let's, let's get there really quickly. I've got a series of questions to ask. I may weigh in, but I'm interested in your guys' ultimate opinions. Okay, so Matt Rule was hired, I think, on November 30th, 2022. Here we are almost uh, four months later. Uh, it's uh, four months and I think three months and 20 days later. If you could use a word to summarize, a word or a sentence to summarize the Matt Rule era up to this point, what would it be? Go, Evan. Detailed would be the word that I would use. Very detailed in everything from how the media chairs are organized to how they approach recruiting to their intentionality, building relationships, building schemes. It just feels like there's no stone left unturned. There's no small thing that's that's sort of poo-pooed. Um, and in talking to <clears throat> Matt Rule as well, I mean, he's, he's thoughtful, he's thorough. So detailed would be the word I would use. Yeah. Columnist, I can't use one word. Um, Energizer Bunny, yeah, he's um, he's everywhere and he's always got a smile on his face and he's always he loves it. And 
So, so maybe the word I maybe it's uh, the, 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 the the word passion. Um, I talked. I tried to set up an interview with him, and he said, "Yeah, I got all next week off. I'll be. I'll be around." Two days later, he's in Texas, and then he was here. Then he was there, and it was just never stopping. So, um, I think both of those things are good signs for a head coach. That he's My, detailed and he's got energy, passion. Yeah, for, mine's vision. for his job. Yeah, yeah. Mine's going to be vision. I think he has a pretty clear vision of where he wants to go. Don't know if it's going to work. We can't guarantee that it's going to work. Um, we is we have to be objective in that way. But but rare, I, I've rarely run across somebody who I think had a clear vision of exactly what they want to accomplish at each spot that they've been at. Didn't work in Carolina, but the vision seems to fit much more what they do in college. So like he has, he has a vision for how he wants things to go. And then he executes the vision by hiring people who by and large share it. And, and so like that part to me really, uh, really jumps out just like that. He, he actually comes with um, not just a narrative or rhetoric, but, a vision cast. Here's how long it's going to take. Here's what we need to do. Here's why we do what we do here. Let's go about executing it. And from what I can tell, everybody's on the same page. Okay. That's the first question. The next one, as you're going into spring football and either one of you can, can fire away with this one, as you go into Monday's start of camp, what's maybe that one prevailing thing that you're interested in most that, you know, you might be intrigued by an answer at the start of camp. Now, obviously, not all answers will be out there, but Rule and some players probably going to talk. What What's that thing you're looking for at the start of camp that's intriguing to you? Go ahead, Tom. Um, personnel and where they fit and how they evaluate. Um, I'm going to write a little bit about this for Sunday. Or, um, uh, the... Uh, Guys changing positions, um, not because they want to, but because the coaches are saying, I think you're better here. Mm -hmm. This is my vision of you in this spot. And I, I think I, I think you will max out better in this spot. You will make contributions better here. Uh, you will help us win games here. Um, I think this is a spring for all the, all the football technicians around the state, which basically means everybody. They they all fancy themselves as um, football nuts, um, you know, uh, scheme gurus and all that. This is not a spring about scheme. It's about where to put people, and um, it's about hitting. It's about blood. All those things. But to me, the they they've got all the pieces of the puzzle they're going to have for next year. That they're, they're going to start to put them in the right places. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I feel like the last three months have been about getting to know the players. We've seen the team commitment week and, and you know, kind of the fun that they've had with that. We've seen leaders emerge that maybe were different leaders or maybe they were transfers like chief borders. But now is the, the part where it gets interesting to see how all that stuff translates onto the field. And so, you know, what are some of the, the, the other transfers who are maybe a little softer spoken what is their impact now? Like a Billy Kemp or a Ben Scott, um, you know, Joshua Fleeks, guys like that as they uh, put on the pads for the first time and go out there, um, you know, sometimes performance when it's football and when their pads resonates in a different way than some of the off the season stuff, as important as that is in its own way. I'll just be really fascinated to see, um, you know, who, who jumps out on field? Xavier Betts, who, who's not played Division One football for a year. What does he look like? Thomas Fedoni coming back, Eric Gilbert. There are so many guys that we've kind of gotten a sense off the field of what they're about. And now this is the chance to see when they're fully suited, um, you know, what they can do. Hmm. I, I don't know exactly who's going to talk Monday, but I, I, I'm focused. I'm interested in how and how they frame up the quarterback situation. Um, certainly they want to see what uh, what everybody can do. I'll be curious to talk to Marcus Satterfield about that, um, you know, and, and and see what he has to say. I wasn't able to talk to him the first time uh, that that he talked. I wasn't I wasn't there that day. 
Uh, and so I'll be curious to see how that conversation goes. If there's a lingering question for me about how everything's going to sort of been, be teed up, it's with the offense. What kind of, a, what, what are you going to do? Now you got to start putting in the offense now. You can't, you know, muddle around for a month. So they're going to put in the offense. What is it going to be? What, what's going to, what, what's got to be good on that offense in order for it to work? And what are you asking out of your quarterback? Are you asking your quarterback to manage? Are you asking your quarterback to make plays? If you had to, you know, if the needle moves one way or the other, which way does it move? And, you know, do you have the personnel to do the things that you want to do? I happen to think they actually have a lot of the personnel that they need. They might be a, a an H-back short, but I actually think they got a lot of pieces. They got a hell of a lot of running backs. I mean, they got like five. They got enough receivers. I don't know what they're going to do. They got enough tight ends, I think. And they got enough quarterbacks. So I'll be curious to see like what, because they've been kind of, you know, it's been a lot of culture talks, been a lot of very vague stuff. People are more interested in that defense than I am a little bit because I'm on record as saying it's going to take a year. It's going to take a year. It doesn't matter what they do. They're going to have to get into the season. They're going to have to see where guys go. And see how it goes, but that offense, you 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 gotta put it in, you, you and you have to put it in, and you have to have an identity. Um, and Thomas talked about this so many times, and he's right. What is the identity? Like, what is what does it look like? What is that? What do you want when it's you when when you are when it's your chess move, and you, you've got the first chess move on the board? What are you gonna do? I, I think they already know. <laughs> I think uh, when he went through all those tapes of last year's games, I think he had a good idea. And uh, I can't wait to see what it is. I think it's going to be uh, – I think they're going to run the ball. I think it's going to be running back-based and offensive line-based. Um, and let the quarterback make plays, let him manage right now. But, um, but you know, I've, I've been writing some things down um, – as, I, as as we've gone on here, and uh, what, what, what about Casey Thompson? Where does he fit into this? He's not going to be out there. Are all those quarterbacks going to make a move ahead of him? Can he possibly become a leader of the team by not even by not being out there? I mean, it's um, we've I've kind of dismissed Casey as all right. I think. Um, Sims might probably be the guy he brought. They brought him in, but he, he's he. It's kind of dangerous to to uh, dismiss him because he's so good and he's such a leader. And and frankly, Rule could use an older leader guy at quarterback his first year. So I'm kind of curious about that. Well, and, and Thompson's as prepared as they'll come. I mean he he probably knows as much about the offense from his film study and living in there as, as a lot of the coaches do quite honestly. So how does that translate over the offense in general to me to hear Marcus Satterfield describe it and some of the assistants, it sort of reminds me of Iowa pro style. You're going to huddle. You want to lean on the run. Um, the, the, the difference is the staff's apparent emphasis on more of a mobile quarterback. I think that part's interesting to me. If you're if you want a pro style sort of offense and, and run the ball, um, but you blend more of a quarterback run game, which as we know, not a lot of Big Ten teams have necessarily done. Um, you know, what does that look like? Are they going to ask Jeff Sims or Casey Thompson or whomever to to run the ball ten times, or is that more of a situation where they just want a guy to be able to scramble and make plays? If necessary, like we we tend to see among some of the college football powers out there. So that to me is the interesting part is they feel like they want some pro style. They want elements of, of spread, at least with the quarterback run game. How does that all start to mesh here in the next month? Yeah, I think I think certainly the, the Casey Thompson question is interesting because. First, I, I agree with Tom's assessment that they're probably going to they're going to try to run the ball. Um Ideally, you can run it with your running backs to the point where you don't need your quarterback as anything but an accent. In other words, the stuff that you put on the meal, you know, the the sauce that you add, um, you don't want it to be the, the main course. Of course, if you can't run the ball with the running back, then you better you better damn well have something to do. And it can't just be 
then then you got to start doing something else. And what Nebraska did last year when they couldn't run the ball with a running back is they is you know they got they got into that short screen game with Trey Palmer and other things. But ultimately, the offense just wasn't very effective because it relied too much on Casey Thompson hitting a deep pass. Um, so you know, I think they want to run the ball. I think you you would try to incorporate the the mobile quarterback when you can, and then simultaneously, I you know, Evan, you mentioned Iowa. Somewhat, I think you're going to see a little bit of zone scheme. I think you're going to see a lot of power gap scheme too. You know, where you're pulling pulling a guy and you're and you're uh, you know you're double teaming and stuff like that. Um, I do think ultimately, though, they want to run the football. They want to use an offensive line, which, by the way, I think could be better than people are thinking. I think it could be a pretty good offensive line, not 97, but pretty good. Like if you think about the players they have there, if Ben Scott's at center and everybody's healthy and then Teddy Prohaska comes back in the summer, that's that's a pretty good line. It might be the best line they've had since Scott's first year. So, you know, it's there's a way of looking at it where it's where it's entirely possible. Um, What I would say about Casey is that, like, he's very tough and I think he earned his teammates respect. I don't think he has I don't think he has the relationships that like say an Adrian Martinez did. And so I think there's an opportunity for a kid to come in like a Jeff Sims to come in and kind of rest control of that to so so to speak. But I think it's all kind of up in the air because I don't know that Casey went in there and like exactly did that last year. And I don't know that any other quarterback did, too. I think they were also used to Adrian being who he was that I'm not sure that they per se attached to anybody last season. And so that attachment is still there to be made, whether it's Sims or it's Thompson or it's somebody else. Who's the guy? Like, you know how like you kind of anoint a guy and say, there's the guy. That's that's our guy. We're following that guy. I don't know that it ever quite happened with Thompson last year. And maybe it'll happen with Sims. I I'll be intrigued to kind of see. Okay. So here's the next question. And Tom, you kind of already answered it. The position you're watching the most is that offensive line? Is that is that the one that that you're intrigued yes. by, yes. Um, you know that that, and I love the fact that that they got an older center, um, a guy who, who's played a lot. I think that center is the most important position um, on the line, and uh, I, how, how is it going to come together? Um, I just, you know, I I don't know if uh, a Prochaska how much he can do. Um, but I just I think that is going to be where you're going to see Matt Rule spend a lot of time. Uh, they have to get that right. They have to have a they have to have a, a working semblance of a line next year. I don't know if, if if it'll be the finished product that they want. Uh, probably not. But they have to have it up and running. And um, so I'm 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 kind of anxious to see how that how that looks in the spring game. Um, and um, so yeah, it's. Again, the, the, these are things that aren't very aren't, aren't very sexy. Um, we're not going to figure out if they can they can beat Minnesota in the next few weeks, but uh, they're they're going to put together uh, the puzzle. And uh, I think offensive line has got some very big pieces, um, literally. Mm-hmm. Evan, you know I'm going to go with running back this spring, and part of that is because I look at the rest of the offense. And see so many areas where we're just not going to know until the fall. Like there are still some health situations at the O-line that will kind of carry that competition into the summer and the fall. The same thing at quarterback, obviously, with Casey Thompson. I just I'm curious to see how running back shakes out, because I think for the most part, it's a complete evaluation that they can make right now. So, you know, what does Anthony Grant look like? Coming back where it looked like maybe he wore down as last season went on. A.J. Allen, how fully recovered is he You know, from, from his leg injury last year? Can the staff get more out of Ramir Johnson um, than the previous one did? And then they love Gabe Irvin, too, saying he's one of the fastest guys uh, that they've uh, measured on the team. So, like, it just seems to me that that's a position that you can establish <clears throat> some sort of a pecking order in the next month or so get a better sense of maybe how they want to use some of those guys. If you remember, you know, Ramir Johnson was sort of a a receiver running back. Does that continue? Do they like him, uh, you know, back on the running back side? And then, you know, EJ Barthel, what does he like as a running backs coach? What does he emphasize? Is it toughness? Is it versatility? How do you sort of handle 
uh, a variety of skill sets where, you know, some guys are going to be better taking handoffs between the tackles. Some guys are going to be better pass catchers, pass blockers, what have you. That just seems like a spot when there's so much uncertainty elsewhere in the offense that you can have a clear evaluation in the next month. Yeah, that running back spot is really interesting because I felt like, and this always happens, as, as we know, like sometimes you get a new assistant coach and it just changes the entire dynamic of the room. And so you go back two years ago, and I just felt like Ryan Held was very high on Ramir Johnson because he had recruited Ramir Johnson and he had watched him develop over the course of many years. And the same was true of Gabe Irvin. I mean, he started Gabe Irvin as a true freshman in the very first game, and Amon Green didn't even do that. Well, he didn't do that for good reasons, not because he wasn't better than Gabe Irvin, but you see my point. Um and he wasn't as high on Jacquez Yant, right? Held wasn't. That was right. weird. But then you come to last year, and Brian Applewhite was very high on Anthony Grant. And I understand why. Grant Grant was Grant is a talented player. Um, ran into some guys late in the season, tried to bounce every run to be to be be a touchdown instead of getting one there. But he wasn't very high on Ramir Johnson. I mean, he just wasn't because he didn't play very much. And don't tell me that he was he was hurt that whole time. Right, uh, And he wasn't high. I mean, Gabe Irvin didn't play a ton either. And so I feel like for whatever reason, those guys were just not as intriguing to Applewhite as they were to held. And now we have a third running backs coach, EJ Barthel. And it feels like all of the sudden Irvin and Johnson are back on because we were sitting with rule a month ago and he, he actually said, I don't really know why Ramir Johnson didn't play. You remember him saying that. Yeah. And I'm not sure why he didn't play. Like there were, you know, he was he was available, um, and he hits holes pretty hard. And I felt like toward the end of the year, I'm like Ramir Johnson would would hit the hole harder than Anthony Grant's trying to. Anthony Grant's trying to score a touchdown every time he gets the ball. Sometimes you need a guy that just go in there and get four, even if he's not very big. And so I think that position is really intriguing to me. AJ Allen had come on late, you know, in the middle of last season. It was clear to me that Applewhite was going to use A.J. Allen to push Anthony Grant to run and hit the holes a little bit more, and then Allen got hurt. And then Jacquez Yant was not the answer there, and Yant has already transferred out. Um, and so I guess we'll I guess we'll see what happens. I'm intrigued by that position, too. I'm actually a little intrigued by tight end because if you're talking about the position where you've got two guys who are both top 100 recruits, if both of those guys were to get to 82% of their potential in the spring, you'd have two pretty good football players in Eric Gilbert and Thomas Fedoni. I, I'm intrigued to see whether those guys can get close to what they were capable of when they came to college. Yeah, and for different reasons, right? Like Fedoni's got the second ACL, so physically, where is he at? Like mentally, you have a pretty good sense of, of how locked in he is and what he's done. And it's sort of the opposite with – Gilbert. I mean, this is his fourth different college stop. The physical tools and abilities are off the charts. We, we saw it clearly at LSU. And it's just been about sort of that off the field stuff. Can he find a place that, that he supported and can thrive? And, and yeah, I, I think those two, it starts there. But there are also some other interesting guys who have been in the program for a number of years, right? Like we've seen AJ Rollins for a while. James Carney's been in there. Uh, Chris Hickman has is a familiar face. Like what does that look like at a position that's actually for Nebraska turned out some pretty good pro players these last three years? It's, it's really, you know, top down, really fascinating to see how that depth chart's going to shake out. Yeah. I'll be intrigued. I uh, let's, let's move to the defensive side of the ball. And I've, I've already flapped my gums a lot on, on what I think's going on over there and what might go on. Um Anything that jumps out to you about that that particular side of the ball, whether it's a position or a player, um, that that intrigues you? I mean, I, I would start with uh, how how that how that flexibility of the defense works. You know, who do, do they have? What they, what we would have called a nickel out there, um, and, and what does that look like? But I think more interesting to me is the whole kind of edge rusher defensive end sort of situation where, and, and the coaches have said that uh, in, in the last month and we've had a chance to talk with them is, is there the depth on the defensive line that they have another lineman out there or do they feel like that player is going to be an edge? And if it's an edge, 
you know, Nebraska's lost a lot of name guys over the, the the last few months from, you know, Garrett Nelson to Oshawn Mathis, Caleb Tanner. So you're at this point relying on Blaze Gunnerson, you're relying on Jamari Butler, who have been reserves. Like, do those guys take that next step and command that that bigger role that they didn't have in the past? Or do you, if you're Nebraska, you know, find that that playmaker somewhere on the line? I think that part's really interesting. Um, and I also think that guys like uh, MJ Sherman, Chief Borders, who are in that, I guess you'd call it middle linebacker room right now, I, st- I still think those guys have a chance to end up on the edge too, given their pedigrees and abilities and Nebraska's needs on the outside. So how I think how that kind of front seven shakes out and where they feel like their strength is in that It'll be really fun to follow here. Once, go ahead, Tom. Well, I don't have much here. I'm, I'm, I'm really uh, not worrying about the scheme. And I know uh, we're going to be talking about the scheme, and people will be uh, hashing that out uh, as we go, and whether it fits in the Big Ten. And apparently, uh, there are Big Ten schools who already use it. Um, I, I, I think scheme on defense is way overrated. I think it's um, who <laughs> I've said this before. Who's who's going to act like um, you know uh, a Tasmanian devil? Who's going to be Christian Peter, Jason Peter, Grant Wistrom? Who's going to knock people down? Who's going to bury people? <laughs> who's going to act like uh, the the guy you can't block? Who's going to tackle the best? Um, I, I'm I'm curious about. You know, every time there's a new coach, um, somebody somewhere on that team that maybe you've never heard of is going to be inspired by this new coach and his new coordinator. And it's all going to click in their head and they're going to become a new person. And uh, it just happens all the time. The best seasons, the best first seasons are when everybody does that. Um, And, you know, there are quite many cases where a new coach comes in and he gets everybody's attention, and they win right away. I want to know on defense who who, who don't we know right now? We know all the, all the key players. Who don't we know that's going to come out of the woodwork because they're inspired and they're going to hit somebody and knock them on the ground time and time again? And um, I want to see how these guys um, uh, how they tackle under the new coordinator White. I mean, what's um, What's it going to be? I mean, what I just think it's um, the staff has shown so much passion and sort of old old world uh, football uh, ways and talk. I think it's uh, defense has got to be something that will make Jerry Murtaugh laugh and um, will make will make Jason Peter proud and all these guys that used to used to just knock the hell out of people. You know, get back to that and 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 fly to the ball and put them on the ground. And um, that's that's not very um, you know in depth. But that's kind of where I'm at with the defense. I want to see him do do that kind of stuff again. And then and the, and they'll be a good defense in the Big Ten. Mm, I think that's that's thoughtful. It's a, it's a really interesting question, like because we do feel like we know the team really well, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We could all rattle off the guys that we think in our minds, but who is going to surprise us? And I think we've, in some ways, have we lost the capacity to be surprised? Like on some level, they've lost for so many years in a row that you almost lose that ability to watch someone, you know, do something you hadn't expected um, when they hadn't done it before. Uh, it, It just hasn't, it hasn't happened very often at Nebraska where a guy doesn't do much the first couple of years, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's just burst onto the scene. It it just doesn't happen that often. I guess Ramir Johnson sort of, but 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 before he became a good player in 2021, Johnson was a disappointment, and then it was a disappointment again last year. So it's like it's 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 one of those situations where you are kind of always waiting to see what's gonna be what's uh what's gonna be interesting. Uh, if we're able to watch practice next Thursday, it'll help me to understand what they want to do with the fifth defensive back spot um, in White system. That's been called a rover. I suspect that we will be calling that a rover very quickly. Um, typically, White has deployed that player as a third safety between the two safeties who are split safeties 
And then the third guy is in the middle, and then he's able to rotate down or go back as, as called on the defensive play. So that guy can go from 12 or 13 yards back and be down near the line of scrimmage very quickly, depending on what's happening um, in the four or five seconds before the snap. And that's kind of how they deploy that player. Now, is that player Isaac Gifford? I don't know. Um, it's possible that that's exactly where he goes. It could be Javen Wright goes there. Um, it's it's hard to say. You know, the the famous rover in in the three three five history is Brian Urlacher, who played at New Mexico for Rocky Long, who is Tony White's mentor. And Urlacher was fourteen yards off the ball when he was at New Mexico. And for the Chicago Bears, he becomes a middle linebacker who is a Tampa two middle linebacker. So he was dropping fifteen to twenty yards on a lot of plays. Um, which is why Urlacher maybe didn't have as many sacks as the player that I've always thought was better for the Bears, which is Lance Briggs. But anyway, um, Urlacher is the most famous of those group, and he was like 6'4 245 pounds. Um, the player who most meets that height requirement on Nebraska's team is Javen Wright. But that doesn't mean that's where Tony White will use him. Um, he could be in a number of different places, or you could have Isaac Gifford. We won't know. I want to be able to see that. I want to be able to see what they do with that player, and that will help me to understand how they're envisioning the structure. I, I've said this before. I think the defense is actually a run-stopping defense. Um, it is difficult uh, when you only have three down linemen to know exactly where everybody's going to be moving and shifting. Linemen today are 340 pounds. They don't move like the 265-pounders that used to be running around in the 80s. It can be hard for them to get to moving linebackers. It just can um, the challenge with the defense, in my opinion, is getting a consistent pass rush with three or four, especially when the fourth one can come from depth. Because if you're coming from depth, one thing that offensive linemen have become really adept at is pass setting. And they've got these giant wingspans. You know, they're six foot nine. It's hard to get around them uh, unless you're an elite pass rusher. And so I think that's the question that I guess I have going forward is how do you generate a pass rush? Um, how do you get to a quarterback? I mean, we all watched the Georgia Southern game last year, and, I mean, you want to talk about painful. That was painful. It was painful to watch Nebraska not get there and watch, uh, what was this, Van Treese pick Nebraska apart all night long because they because he was getting rid of the ball so fast. That nullifies the pass rush. Um, so I think that's something that I'll be watching too. It's just that defensive line and how the structure of it works. Do you think Nebraska's got enough? Now, now, Todd just mentioned this. He mentioned Jason Peter, Christian Peter, Grant Wistrom. Um, I'll throw a couple in there. Uh, Mike Brown, uh, Terrell Farley, um, Julius Jackson. Do they have enough of these guys? Or or are they do they really need to recruit these guys? We talk, we're we're going to talk a lot next week about Dylan Rayola, but do they need to recruit guys that they used to have in the 90s, that they used to have about 30 of them on their defense seemingly? Do they need more of those players? Yes, yes, and yes. I agree. I think well, that's an area where they have not recruited as well as they could have. I, I think on def, on the defensive side of the ball, you need to recruit guys that are quick twitch and break shit up, whether they're in a scheme or not. And I don't feel like Nebraska's had enough of those players. I just don't. I mean, they have a lot of defensive backs. Maybe some of those can have that coached out of them. Maybe it's something that's just not part of – who they are, but I, I, I found that interesting. The Matt Rule was like, yeah, there are a ton of defensive backs on this roster. A lot of them are back this year. Uh, I mean, they could roll out their same starting secondary if they wanted to. So that to me is where you can look at us. That's a good example to me of, of seeing how coaches evaluate and what they prioritize. And if it's a similar group, then, then maybe those are the best guys all along. And if it's a different group, then to me, maybe what they're asking is different. Maybe they've unlocked something in somebody else as well. So they have the bodies. I don't know that they have the answers to what you're talking about, though. Well, so let's back to the pass defense thing for a second. I almost feel like, and this isn't, I'm not a coach and I'm not a player, but this is something I'm going to talk to Evan Cooper about because he's really smart. It feels like today your secondaries are almost what you would call big play prevention units. And that what they're trying to get in the secondary isn't necessarily the guy that makes a huge play, but erases a big play. In other words, they're long, they can stride, the corners are physical, they're not necessarily heat-seeking missiles that are 5'11", like a Baron Miles coming up to hit you, but 
but they don't allow big plays down the field. They kind of smother and they they're like spiders with a web. And it almost feels like the guys that got to make the plays are these spinner types, rover types, Isaiah Simmons for the Cardinals, um, Tyron Matthew, wherever the hell he is. He was with the Chiefs. It's almost like now they have a specific player that's like, you, you get to go do this and hurt people. These other guys back here, their job is to take away this 65-yard pass. And I feel like, and, and Tom brought it up, the players they're missing, Evan, are in the front group, like that that defensive lineman and that linebacker. That those and Reimer is one of those players. I think Luke Reimer is that kind of player, and will fit this defense quite nicely. I just don't know that they've got enough guys that, like, when the ball snapped, it's like boom, 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 and they're gone, and they're they're right in the backfield already. They, I don't feel like they have enough of those. And I don't know how they resolve that here in the spring. Maybe they recruited those guys and they're about to show up in, uh, as freshmen in the summer. I, I would agree with the line. The, the defensive line is interesting to me because I really like a lot of the players that they brought in, the uh, especially the freshmen, like the Vincent Carroll Jackson types and, um, you know, Princewell and, and, and a lot of these other guys. Like, I feel like long term, they're, they're, they're what we're looking for uh, if you're talking about you know, playmakers up front. I wonder in the immediate future what that looks like because history would tell you that you can't expect those guys to jump in right away as freshmen, be impact guys. So, you know, is the is a Stefan Wynn type an answer who who could maybe step into a bigger role? Ty Robinson's out this spring. So, like, there are going to be guys that get reps. <clears throat> I just wonder that first year, what's that going to look like as they build up some of these recruits that they brought in? How do you how do you patchwork that thing if it needs patchworking? Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. This is sort of that transition period before some of these recruits take off. That's that's possible. I'm trying to think of like, I don't know. I I just don't know that they've had since Randy Gregory and Malik Collins. They've had players that you could just. Oh man, you got to go block that guy. I, you know, Carlos and Khalil had that a little bit, but they they were always playing a little out of control. Um, but they were great athletes. But they just they've actually struggled to get that caliber of athlete, in my opinion, within the program. I, the the defensive line coach prior to the the prior to Mike Dawson did did not do a good job of recruiting here. I don't know if that's because he couldn't get the players here or what, but the majority of the guys that 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 guy brought in can't couldn't move i mean a couple of them were gigantic and it's not clear to me you know they're okay okay of course yeah you want a big lineman sure but when you're getting to six eight three sixty i i mean that's not a movement player that's you know six three well it's not even six eight you're you're having to stand up and you're getting driven back. It's just I don't know six three three thirty five is a space eater because you can't move that guy. He's a rock, and that's what Huntmaker is a little bit. I don't know. I, I guess we'll. I guess I, I, I'm with Tom that the, the scheme part. People are going to talk a lot about that, but I just I think it's going to take a year to figure it out. And I'm of the belief that you got to get better athletes on defense. I I think you can scheme it up on offense a little bit, and you can do some stuff that scores you points. If you know how to run an offense, but defensively, you're only going to be so good if you don't have those elite athletes. This is interesting to me. So everybody was like, oh, you know, Jack Campbell, what a ham and egger, right? You know, like, oh, man, what a, what a, what a, what a, uh, you know, sort of a country breakfast kind of guy over there at Iowa. The guy's six, four and he, and he, and he broad jumped like 10, 10, nine. It was obscene. Like the guy's an amazing athlete, you know? Like he's not an eggs and bacon kind of guy. <laughs> he's like, he's like filet. He's like, he's like a steak. And it's funny that people were like, oh, you know, he plays in Iowa and he's this tough guy. He was like, he was like a workout warrior at the combine. And that's when you realize, well, maybe I was doing something in the way that they recruit and develop players that Nebraska might want to learn from because their athletes are really good. Like, uh, the, the, their lineman, I can't remember his name, I think he ran a faster 40 than O'Shawn Mathis. 
and Mathis is an edge rusher, and that guy's a defensive lineman. Like they they know what they're doing over there. They build some athletes, and I think Nebraska's got to get there on the defensive side. Yeah, I mean, I agree. It's just it's it, what do you do in the interim? Like that that to me is the interesting question because again, I think a lot of the guys that they brought in. We talk about track times and and just the ways that they evaluate athletes. I, you know, again, I feel like a lot of those guys coming in can be playmakers. We talk about Mav Noonan and uh, you know Cameron Lenhart and, and and down the line. Like, I feel like those guys could be those guys. But again, the narrative at Nebraska has been has been what like they come in early, people expect a lot out of them. It doesn't happen. They sort of plateau as freshmen, and then that's how that goes. To me. That it, it's that pattern contrasted with what rules track record is, which is all the the, the stuff that you, you just mentioned that we haven't seen at Nebraska, which is guys are in the system for a couple of years. They explode maybe as juniors or seniors um, in terms of their production, and then they go on to the NFL. So it's sort of a, an unstoppable force meets an immovable object in that way, because, again, it's just been a long time since Nebraska's had a guy that's come on later in his career here who's been developed here. Uh, who's taken off. So I, I still feel like long-term they're kind of where they want to be, at least early on. It's what do you do this year, especially on the lines when you can't expect those kind of quick fixes. Tom, is there any assistant you're interested in talking to during camp? All of them. I don't know any of them. I'd like to talk to all of them. So, What about you, Evan? I mean, I was impressed just in our first round of interviews with them last month. I thought for the most part, they were very insightful, interesting. Sam, we've talked about how a lot of these guys, while they have rural connections, have gone off at different points in their career to coach at smaller levels, FCS level or whatever it might be. Um, so they have a lot of, I think, interesting life experiences, but um, you know, if I had to pick one guy, I think you already mentioned him. I think Evan Cooper is fascinating to me. Uh, draft guru, clearly rules right-hand man when it comes to evaluations and finding diamonds in the rough. Uh, he's, I believe he's the only member of the staff who's been with rule every year that he's been a head coach in the last 10 years. So just how he works, his process, and then how that translates to the defensive backs, because I think a lot of the skill sets that we attribute to Evan Cooper and that he's found success in have been sort of evaluation off the field, sort of roles, GM almost type of, of, of uh, duties. But how does that look in terms of developing the players that you have at your position? Um, that to me is, is interesting because that's not necessarily been his history has been as an on the field guy. A lot of it's been behind the scenes. And so how do you, Again, at a, at a at a secondary spot that has so many familiar faces back for Nebraska, how do those guys benefit tangibly on the field from what Evan Cooper does too? I think that'll be fascinating. Cooper Cooper coaches a a, a room that love their previous um, position coach, so that'll mm -hmm. be interesting to watch. I think the same is true of the linebackers. Um, I think they really enjoyed working for Barrett Rude, um, and Cooper also strikes me as somebody who will talk about literally anyone on the team, like he. He is not just the defensive backs coach, but he is sort of the the overall oversight. I'm I'm intrigued to talk to Marcus Satterfield, obviously. Like I I think um the the one question that I have about the entire staff is, you know, how does he incorporate what Matt Rule wants him to do? He's being paid a lot of money. You know, money isn't everything, but he's being paid more money than Tony White. And Tony White's running the entire defense. So Satterfield has been brought here as an expert, and I will be very intrigued to see how he coaches the quarterbacks, um, whether there's a response mechanism there. Um, we got you, you know, we got used to what I would describe as two very quirky quarterbacks coaches over the last five years. Mario Verdusco was unlike any assistant I've ever spoken to. And Mark Whipple really knew what he was talking about, but he was he could also be kind of, ah, what, what do you want me to say? You know, he was that way. I'll be curious to see what Satterfield is like. The last guy that I was like, there's a quarterback coach for the modern age was Danny Langsdorf. Very smooth, very polished, yep. very calm. The last two have been sort of quirky. 
And I'll be curious to see how Marcus Satterfield handles that. And and just the youth too. I mean, we talked about that. Obviously, Garrett McGuire is kind of the the poster boy for that at 24, but Rob Dvorak's 29, EJ Barthel, Terrence Knighton, those guys are in their mid-30s, Evan Cooper, mid-30s. Like that part to me is fascinating too, because I feel like over the years, Nebraska assistants have tended to be uh more veteran coaches and they have sort of tales from other places and experiences and there's just not always that to fall back on i feel like a lot of these guys are still kind of finding themselves or, or being formed as coaches certainly under under matt rules tutelage and so how does that you know how does that translate into a post-practice chat about what they see and and how they evaluate guys i think that part will be interesting to see too how that youth kind of affects how the staff conducts its business day to day Hmm. all right well that's all for our spring football preview um obviously the ncaa tournament going on maryland's ahead by two over west virginia and virginia and Furman are unsurprisingly locked in a very boring game uh, in the first round that's what virginia specializes in briefly on nebraska basketball we'll spend a lot of time here but uh season's over uh 16 and 16 finish Tom, you and I have written quite a bit about this team. Um, didn't know if you had any. I know you kind of talked last week about sort of final thoughts because I think when by the time you guys recorded, Nebraska's season was over. When you when you think about and you've covered college basketball a very long time, what does Nebraska need to get to the NCAA tournament next year? Because I think we're all in agreement that it's not going to be sixteen and sixteen and everybody's happy next year. It was good enough for this year, but not next year. What do they need? Well, they already already lost two to the portal this week. Uh, they need numbers, obviously. <laughs> they, need, um, they need a little, little bit of everything. I mean, um, you know, Jamarcus Lawrence is, is a good place to start. Uh, so is Tomonaga. Um, I don't know if they can get him to stay. Um, I've talked to different people about the NIL with the, the foreign athletes, and there are, there are ways to do it. Uh, they, you know, if, if if they get creative, they can they can get him what he needs, maybe. So um, they got to get a, 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 at least one big piece inside, if not two. Um, they got to find a a guy who can handle the ball like like that. They basically need what they had this past year, and they, they need to stay healthy. Um, you know, Juwan Gary will be back. I assume unless he leaves um but he already left once um I, I think they've got some pieces but um they, you got to get scores again tomorrow and you know awards showed that, that he, he he could score um he probably should have got the ball a lot more in the mid minnesota game than he did um yeah. that's but, that's um, you know, just a, a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, they need everything, but but certainly they need the kind of team they had this past year with with guys who could um <clears throat> play defense, have the length. I'm, I'm curious is okay, he's gonna go, he's gonna go get guys in the portal. Can he get upgrades? Can he can he get better players than he had than he did last year? Can he uh and he told me that uh Fred Horbert told me that they, they've already had inquiries. They've got they've by people reaching out to them uh, this year. So, um, can can he can he probably can, can, can he possibly upgrade the roster um, from last year? So uh, it'll be a chore, but that's what he's got to do. And um, he's got to make the tournament next year. He's got to make some tournament. Um, oh, I agree. And um, so, but I think. They can do it. Um, but boy, replacing Griesel and Walker, that was the, you know, the, the core of the team, the leaders. Um, that doesn't mean they can't have more. I, I, I really like Lawrence. I, I think he's a guy who can be a leader eventually, um, step up and take over some stuff. But um, yeah, long way to go, but uh, short, short time to get there. Agreed. You know, we're pretty much going to know who their team is by oh, mid-April. I mean, maybe late yeah. April. We'll have a we'll have a sense of it. Um, yeah. 
I agree with everything you said. I'll add they got they got to get more shooters. They yeah, should. yeah. The great the great teams. Well, they don't all have great shooters. Maryland's playing right now, and nobody on that team can shoot. But but Maryland does other things that are that are good. Um, and they're all seniors, right? So like if if Nebraska had f- five or six seniors, maybe they would maybe they would be what Maryland is right now. Um, but from my book, Nebraska's got to get another elite shooter. Forty percent from three, shoots one hundred and seventy five three pointers, and makes whatever forty percent of one hundred and seventy five is. I don't know. So I, I, I would love love to see Tomaranga come back. He hit on something. He evolved this year. He, did. he became a different guy in the second half, and I want to see him take the next step in college. What could he become next year with the Fred Hornberg scheme, all the sets? Um, he's a guy the defenses would have to game plan around because he's 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 so smooth with um, uh, the way he cuts and he moves around. He shoots him everywhere. You have to have somebody on him all the time. Um, that might free up uh, – Lawrence is a guy who could really hurt you because you're worried about this guy. So they have a couple of really, if they can get Tom Rago back, a couple of really in, interesting places to start. Then they have they, 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 they have to get a point guard uh, and somebody to, to, to get them the ball in the right places. Um, but it's intriguing. But it all starts with Casey, um, uh, And uh, I'd really like to see him come back. I think he would be a guy – who could be not maybe first team all Big Ten, but certainly uh, a knocker on the door um, if he had the right people around him. I agree. All right, that is our Pick Six podcast for this week. We will be back next week to preview a huge recruiting weekend for Nebraska, arguably the biggest unofficial junior day that they have ever had uh, with multiple five stars, multiple five stars. We'll also recap Pro Day, uh, which will be next week. Um, we'll we'll have a bunch of fun things to talk about for Evan and Tom. I'm Sam. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the NCAA tournament. Enjoy the start of Nebraska spring camp. Thanks, Husker fans. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.